Hoi, welcome to the Dutch and Scots Sportscast. Today we are focusing on the Dutch and Scottish games. Yeah, we'll be covering the leagues, uh, the players playing abroad, uh, the transfers involving anything Scottish or Dutch. Uh, we'll be focusing a bit on the European games and our national teams. We hope you enjoy this first installment of our exclusive Dutch and Scottish sportscast. So, seeing that the Scottish League has been going for weeks already, uh, we thought it would be a good idea to start off with the Dutch League and also the Dutch Championship, also known as the Keukenkampioen Divisie, which, as mm-hmm. we've talked about, I don't know if you remember what it means. Something to do with kitchens, isn't it? It's the Kitchen Champions Division. Uh, the Kitchen go. Champion is a, is a kitchen shop throughout the Netherlands and uh, they decided to sponsor our championship which is a very uh, well interesting sponsorship um, but going back to, to football the Dutch Eredivisie which is our premier division has only been going for one round yet so unlike, yeah, yeah, so unlike the division in Scotland um, we haven't had a lot of football yet yeah uh, as as was the case in Scotland, our league got completely disbanded, so yeah. no champions last year. Um, and also, unlike Scotland, we had no relegation, no promotion. Yeah. Which, um, as you remember, was quite a big thing here. Court case for the teams, De Graafschap and Cambuur, who were on the promotion places. Um, they lost, and they're playing in the Keukenkampioen Divisie this year. So, some of the results of last weekend, um, I think uh, a good one to start is Feyenoord, because they were the first of the big teams to play. They went away to Pek and they won 2-0, quite a routine victory for them. Um, Sparta Rotterdam played at home to Ajax, and an early red card from Nicolas Tagliafico wasn't enough for Sparta to take the victory and they lost 1-0 by a goal by new Brazilian boy Anthony which was a, a sloppy goal um, and the red card incident uh, I'll paint a picture for you so the ball was played over the top of the uh, the Ajax defense and uh-huh. what happened was that I think 30 meters outside of the goal um, Nicolas Tagliafico hit the ball with his hand in a sliding tackle uh. and the referee interpreted this situation as uh, a player threw on goal and awarded Nicolas Tagliafico the red card so I mean in my opinion would you say personally it was an accident or yeah no I think it's harsh um, Okay. I mean I've never made a secret of my allegiance in Dutch football so uh, you're not a fan of Ajax no like I won't say I didn't enjoy it but it wasn't a red card I mean yeah uh, the man 
like he cannot really chop off his arms. That would be quite a harsh uh, treatment for <laughs> for for this kind of procedure. Yeah, but necessary evil. For, yeah, I mean, it, it was a an unlucky challenge. Um, fair enough, free kick. I would have awarded it yellow card. Fair enough. Um, but yep. the sending off seems harsh. According to the yep. rules, it's technically what you should do. But then also the situation wasn't 100% clear if he was clear on goal or not. That's so, what annoys yeah. me sometimes with refereeing. And it's, uh, I know that the technicalities, but then the whole thing about football is that it's pretty hard to pinpoint a certain scenario. There's always multiple mitigating factors to any um, challenge. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I remember, like, um, back in school, I was on refereeing training, and uh, there was a big coup over the head of, we were talking about diving, mm-hmm. and uh, it's an instant yellow now in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Any form of diving. And I said, well, do you take into account if it's a dangerous tackle and they jump over the player for their own safety? No. Booking. Yeah, no, that's... Uh... If there's no contact, it's a booking. But I, I, whereas I would say that if someone comes flying in for a dangerous challenge and you jump over them so your leg doesn't get broken, it's fair enough. Um, yeah, you know, so like, if a player's through on goal now or anywhere in the pitch and someone makes a dangerous tackle and they jump over it and what I would deem as for their own safety, I would still have to book the player that jumped over it because there was no contact made and it's still a simulation, as mm-hmm. it's called, which I don't agree with. I think that's that's wrong, I think. But um, getting off topic, I do think that sometimes it can be a bit tough and from what you've described in the Tag Lavalio thing, it doesn't seem very fair that he's going to have to ban. Is there an appeal system in the Netherlands that they can go through? Yeah, no, they can, but... Uh... They already overruled it. He's banned for one game because, in the eyes of the FA, the referee didn't make a clear foul, which, in the rule book, he didn't. So that's kind of no no way to swerve. So it's he's banned for a game, and that's it. So the way they see it is harsh but fair. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, but in the end, they got the job done. Took away three points back to Amsterdam. And the next important game that I wanted to talk about, which which was probably the most anticipated game in the Netherlands, maybe even in some other places as well, um, FC Groningen PSV, uh, the return of Arjen Robben. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, in the end, PSV won one three, uh, missed a penalty. Daniel Male could have been one four. Howler by the goalkeeper, new goalkeeper Yvonne Mvogo. Uh, for the FC Groningen goal. Um, but probably most importantly in this game was that Arjen Robbe uh, left the pitch after 30 minutes injured. And it's quite... It's sad. Um, after the game, people were already speculating, is this the end for Arjen Robbe? Uh, a day later, he announced that he wasn't going to quit. So... Um, Dutch football fans can can feel safe and and satisfied with the fact that he's not going to quit yet and that he's going to try to come back soon. So PSV got the I job mean, done as well. The, yeah, I mean, it's good they got the, but see with Robin, I understand he was, um, he's injured and stuff and he's always been quite injury prone, but he can't be that past it. No, really? but like for the 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 amount that he played, um, 
we've talked about Arjen Robbe before. The man takes very good care of his body. And yeah. he's very disciplined, very motivated. And with uh -huh. like if we could have just a little a little tiny bit of his motivation and his passion, you could go a long way. And yeah. he'll be back at some point. Um yeah. but for now, um it's not sure when and how how he's going to be back. But uh yeah, it, it was um an important talking point after this game. And yeah, the, the, about the game, um, two goals from Cody Gakpo, one goal Donjamala. He should have scored two. Uh, a very fresh uh, PSV squad with a lot of new young talent coming through the academy, and a new coach Roger Schmidt, uh, the one mm -hmm. who took Red Bull Salzburg to uh, what is Europa League semi-finals five years back. Yeah. Very exciting coach, very high pressing football, attacking football. It's what PSV supporters like me have wanted to see for quite a while. Um, and then yeah. one of the other favorites, AZ, got their game postponed due to their Champions League qualification, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, so they yeah. haven't played yet. And at this point, I've had all the four major teams, all favorites for the title in the Netherlands. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting season. I want to ask your opinion on something. Yeah, fire away. So, Ajax have been historically accoladed for their incredible youth talent production. Mm -hmm. And even to today, with the most recent success, the Champions League semi-final and the likes of Matthijs De Ligt, Frankie de Jong, Donny van den Meek getting through, who do you think right now has a better crop of young players coming through, PSV or Ajax? At the moment, PSV. Oh, um, PSV. That's for, and that's for me. the bias out of it, I hope. Yeah, no, for me, um, the thing is, you mentioned Frankie de Jong. Yeah. But Frankie de Jong isn't an Ajax Youth Academy graduate. So no, he played at Ajax three years, um, okay. and before he was at Willem II, who are also renowned ah. for producing quite a lot of good players. Um, what you see right now at Ajax is, I'm not going to say they ha have a bad academy, but I think the the younger players coming through now in the PSV squad are more exciting than the ones in the Ajax team. Also, where Ajax have a lot of these players that have come through their academy and they're already uh, a bit further down in their career, a bit older. And PSV have a lot of those younger players now. Um, although I think both of them are quite far ahead of Feyenoord still. Feyenoord was usually one of the ones with the best youth academy, but, but they've been declining uh, over the last few years. And also due to the fact that they haven't got a team in the championship uh -huh. um, I mean, which I'll, I'll get to now. So the Keukenkampioen Divisie um, has four young teams, which are Jong PSV, Jong Ajax, Jong AZ, and Jong FC Utrecht. And the rest is made up of 16 other teams. The Kitchen Champions Division, uh, hmm. I'll just swerve between names. Yeah. Has already had a few more rounds than the Eredivisie. Most teams have played three games. Um, currently, the top six consists of Nak Breda, a name 
maybe familiar because of some Manchester City talents. Also quite yeah. a quite a big team. Yeah, well known. Uh, more more exciting club, Almere City FC. FC. We say FC in Dutch. De yeah. uh, Graafschap, who were second yeah. last year. S Gambuur, who were first last year on their way to promotion. Excelsior. Um, and Roda JC Kerkrade. All of these teams recently played in the the Eredivisie. And Roda have made some very high-profile signings after they finished 16th last year. And then the first young team here is Young PSV, who are 8th. And who recently, two days ago, uh, beat Young Ajax uh, away from home. So, yeah, this, like these, these things tell me that uh, PSV and Ajax are at least on par right now when it comes to uh-huh. youth development. I mean, like, looking at their squads, you mentioned Gampo, you mentioned Malin. They're both PSV guys right here. So yeah, Malin is, uh, he's been at the club for three, four years now. Was at Arsenal uh, before. And right, okay. Started um, somewhere and then went to Ajax for a little bit and then left. Right, okay, okay. It's just interesting because Ajax are praised for theirs, but it seems to me that when I look at the results in there, it's always youngsters at PSV that are scoring. Yeah, recently. But, I mean, Ajax will be will be producing more players. They always will. Um, yeah. But whenever the next big one comes, is yet to be seen. But no. uh, that's enough about the Netherlands and Dutch football. Uh, let's look at the Scottish leagues and yeah. uh, the big teams for a little bit. So in the Scottish leagues, uh, I should, uh, we've got there's four professional leagues. Uh, the Premiership, Championship, League One, League Two. The Championship, League One, and League Two start a month from the release of this podcast, the seventeenth of October. As oh, a wow. start date for those leagues. Oh, okay. I didn't even um, know it was that late. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, because normally um, each league has ten teams. Normally they play each other uh, four times. Mm-hmm. This year's gonna be three times. Ah, okay. Because the verdict was that the teams couldn't afford to play games behind closed doors, and it would make more teams financially struggle. Yeah, so they're basically waiting for fans to be let in again yeah. in a certain amount. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the hope. Um, the Premiership's been going. There's been seven games. Mm-hmm. Most teams, yeah, aside from the teams that have broken down, broken the uh, the. Covid restrictions at Celtic Aberdeen. Um, <laughs> well, I say Celtic. There was one player from Celtic. Yeah, Aberdeen I've heard story. Eight. Yeah, yeah. So um, we can talk more about him later. Um, right now, the kind of most interesting part. It's always going to be a two horse race in Scotland. Has been since Aberdeen won it in the eighties, mm-hmm. and that's obviously between Celtic and Rangers, the old firm. And so far this season, Rangers are unbeaten. They've won every game. But the most impressive part of that seven-game streak of not losing a game, not winning every single game, is they've yet to concede a goal. Wow, really? Yeah, they've broken the league record for the longest consecutive games without conceding a goal, which has been held since 1906 by Celtic. Oh, that's crazy. It's insane. And um, I'm pretty certain that 
if they go two more games unbeaten without conceding a goal, they'll beat the world record that's held by Barcelona. Wow. So the the main key thing for them was the signing John McLaughlin in goal. Mm-hmm. And they're just quite their defence is quite sturdy. Tavernier, who's a captain as a right back, has brought back some form. He went through a few dodgy spells recently, but he's brought back some good form. Uh, their centre-back partnership seems to be working, although they're having problems with their new signing, Leon Balogun, who seems to be injured quite often. But Hellander and Goldson are looking good together. And the left-back, Borna Barisic, is the best left-back in the league by a country mile. Do you know when the first old firm is? Because it's going to be a massive one if it stays like this. Uh-huh. Uh, the first old firm coincidentally, because obviously the fixtures are random, supposedly, also happens to fall on the same weekend as the fans are meant to be back on the 17th of October. Mm-hmm. So a month from this podcast going out, uh, the first old firm this season will be. Uh, following Rangers is Celtic, who haven't had the best of starts in comparison. Rangers have been very strong. They've been outscoring their opponents by a relatively significant amount. You know, they're easily two or three goals per game and obviously not conceding. Celtic, on the other hand, have been sloppy. Although it must be said with Celtic, they've recently signed Shane Duffy. Mm-hmm. Irish centre-back uh, from Brighton. Irish centre-back from Brighton on loan with, a, I believe, there's an option to buy in there. And he's really stuck like, their defences. Instantly, the instant difference just in the quality from the two games he's played with them has been much better. So um, Celtic's biggest kind of mess-ups thus far was the Drew with Kilmarnock away. That's always a hard away game. That was in the second game of the season. A 1-1 draw. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that should be said is Celtic, is Kilmarnock and Livingston both play on artificial surfaces. Ah, yeah. I mean, which um, is quite uh, common for teams in the Netherlands. Although... Uh, many teams have switched out their artificial plastic pitches for grass recently. Mm-hmm. See, it's, it's relatively... I mean, the, the lower league clubs, it's quite common, because obviously it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. In the Premiership, it's not heard of as much, so they tend to... It tends to be the reason why the bigger clubs' fans cry about it. They say, oh, we can't Playing artificial surfaces is not fair, but it's really just an excuse. Um, Kelly are notoriously a difficult team to go away to, and Celtic drew with them. Another one was the following game. They scraped a 1-0 win against Dundee United. And then they had the break, during which, in the Champions League, they lost to the Hungarian team, uh, Ferenka Voros, which will come up, which will kind of like... Come up later on, we'll talk more about that one later. But since that's been over, they have hit the ground running. They beat Motherwell 3-0, they beat Ross County 5-0, and they're currently playing, as we're speaking, the game's in the 18th minute, against St Mirren, and they're 2-1 up. However, there's been a missed penalty. So, Celtic are looking good now. Mm-hmm. Uh, following them is Hibs, who are also looking good. They've got the same record as Celtic at the minute. They have a very good striker in Kevin Nisbet. And uh, fourth is Aberdeen, who have two games in hand because of their COVID. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
the latter end of the table is the more interesting part for me. The, the top end of the table, I know the Celtic Rangers thing's a bit of a... That obviously that's always going to be interesting, especially this season with 10 in a row. And the, um, yeah, do you think they have what it takes to stop Celtic? Yeah. If, if the last seven weeks, uh, the last seven games have anything to go by, yes. Mm-hmm. The I mean, I will get into, after I talk with half, I can get into a bit of why I think that and talk a bit more about that title race. Um, and obviously we can update per week on what's happening with that. But uh, the latter half of the table, the bottom three at the time of speaking are Motherwell, Livingston and Kilmarnock. Which may come as a surprise with Motherwell being dead last. Yeah. Being that they came third last season. Alright, I mean. Yep. Uh, so, it's an interesting club though, I like them. Cool kid. Yeah, yeah, but it's just a bit surprising that they're last, considering how good they were last season. Yeah. Levy again. Um, we can talk a bit about why they're losing. They lost a big player. Um, but, yeah. Uh, so the Celtic Rangers thing, you asked me about the 10 in a row thing. Um... I think the issue is, at the minute, Celtic's bored, in my opinion, of the issue. I know a lot of saying whether or not because they have backed him and stuff, but I don't really think that they have backed the managers as much as they could have. Mm-hmm. When you look at Rangers, um, they got promoted. They brought in, they had Mark Warburton in charge at the time. They backed him. He signed pretty much whoever he could afford, pretty much. Didn't work out. They left. They got in Pedro Cachinha, disaster. But they backed him. They ended it with a hell of a lot of Portuguese players and stuff because they backed the hell out of him. And now they brought in Steven Gerrard, which is a real statement of intent because he's a big name and stuff like that. And they backed him again. Their signing policies, for all not every player has been fantastic. Every player has at least featured for the club. Yeah, it seems Celtic, like they have a like a very good policy. Yeah, Celtics haven't had that same policy. Celtic signings have been very. It feels almost like it's the chairman signings and not manager signings. Because yeah. for every Shane Duffy or Shane Duffy, why do I keep saying Shane? Shane Duffy or <laughs> um, or you know. Edward, who they signed recently, or a Yeti, who they signed. There's a Kubai, uh, Kwasi Ebu, mm-hmm. who they signed for about, was it four million? Didn't play, I think he may have played one game, two games at most, and they sold him off again for like 500k. <laughs> There's right. a Bio, who's a striker they signed again, hasn't featured for them at all. There's just, there's been, if you look at the Islamasoro, there's another one. There's a bunch of players that they've seen the last few years that have been a bit of a waste of money that haven't played for them. So I feel that the, there'd be more of an intent and drive from Rangers to really try and stop this, whereas Celtic have kind of sat back a bit. The last few years have been pumping Rangers. They've been winning the league easily. So the board have just sat back. And now it's kind of reached a point where Rangers are at full flow and Celtic are kind of like, crap, we better get back into it. Really finally be able to challenge Celtic's dominance? Yeah, I think so. The uh, The turning point, as it was last year, will be the New Year kind of period. Last year, uh, Rangers and Celtic were doing well at the top of the league. They came back after the Christmas, the winter break. 
and Rangers were a totally different team and lost a lot of games. Um, a lot of people put that down to a training camp in Dubai that Steven Gerrard had taken the Rangers squad on. And um, they just overworked them. They came back tired. They lost a lot of games. So it all depends on that. But I do think that right now their squad is looking dangerous. Ryan Kent, a £7 million signing from Liverpool last season, mm-hmm. was awful last season. He was rubbish. This season is dangerous, really dangerous. And I'm not a huge fan of the guy. But he does. I mean, every every game I've watched, every highlights of been the main man. He's been going for it. He's challenging players down the wing. He's taking them on at full, getting balls in good positions, and he's scoring from time to time too. So he's certainly one to look out for. Um, they've had some issues with the star striker Alfredo Morello, attitude issues, stuff like that. Yeah, he's an interesting um, character. Yes, he, he is. They've been talking for years that he's going to leave. He hasn't quite yet. Same happened this summer. Don't know why, but he's not been featuring in a few games. It's mainly down to attitude. Uh, but they signed two strikers, Kimar Roof mm-hmm. from Anderlecht in Belgium. Uh, very good signing. And Cedric Itten from St. Gallen. Another very good signing. So, in every area, Rangers have backups. Decent backups at that. In the first team squad, every area they have I would say a very good player. I wouldn't say they're, you know, head to head against Celtic, a better team on paper. But unlike la- the last few years where they've had notable weaknesses, they don't have any notable this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Steven Gerrard has them working like they're just they work well together and they're, they're well structured and well organised and stuff like that, which Celtic haven't really been. Yeah. It's more like um, just a mixture of good players yeah. who need to work together more. Yeah, I think that it's it's going to be a, it's going to be interesting. Certainly, want to keep an eye on, but that's my kind of analysis. But who mm-hmm. knows what could happen? But uh, certainly, in the next four weeks, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the run up to the big, the old firm derby. But if it were to happen tomorrow, I'd be putting my money on Rangers. Going to the final. We're going to the final, so that's, that's all it matters. Van Dijk's in, oh, he's scored! Virgil van Dijk for Liverpool! The next section is players abroad. So we're going to look at Scottish players and Dutch players who are applying their trade over the border or over the seas. For us, because I live in an island. But <laughs> anyway, um, I'm trying not to look at players in England. It's a bit obvious. Like the likes of Andrew Robertson are doing well, stuff like that. We're trying to look at some of our players playing in the continent and elsewhere. So the first one I want to talk about is Fraser Hornby, All right. who uh, is currently at Stade de Reims. Has came yeah, he's came off the bench in the last two games. Uh, both won their losses against Lille and Angers. But by all accounts, he's played well when he's came off the bench. He was quite hotly tipped at his time in Belgium. Mm-hmm. Um, he was initially at Everton that went to Belgium, and now he's playing in Stade de So he's certainly one I'm going to keep my eye on. There's some positive stuff on. 
in a future podcast. But he's looking good. He's fast and quite physical. So I'm hoping that he really kicks on and starts to get some starts in under his belt at Stade de The second player, um, the league he plays and doesn't quite start yet. It starts this weekend coming. And it's Liam Henderson. Plays for Lecce in mm-hmm. Italy. Ah. He's just signed there. So he's yet to make an appearance for Lecce. But the last three seasons, the last few seasons he's been in Italy. Um, he, last year he played for Empoli. Mm-hmm. On loan from Hellas Veronas. Both of them he made a fair amount of appearances for. And... Um, it's, by all accounts, seemed to have done very well at both. He played 16 games for Empoli and got a goal. And he played 32 for Hellas Veronas before that and got three goals. Prior to that, he played a season in Barry and got 18 games, two goals. But I was at Lecce, so he certainly won. If you are looking for Scottish players abroad to keep an eye on or you're an Italian league fan, keep an eye on him. Um, as I say, he starts this year... The, the Italian league starts this year, this weekend coming. Um, so definitely worth keeping your eye on. And the final one is: Have you ever heard the expression "the Scottish Messi"? Matthias. The Scottish Messi. The Scottish Messi. I have not, unfortunately. Well, this but next player was once called me. the next Scottish Messi. <laughs> His name is Ryan Gold. Aha, uh-huh, no, I've heard that name before. Yeah, he played for Dundee United. He went off to um, Sporting Lisbon. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a great time. And now he's playing for Forense, who are in the Primera Division, I think it's called, the second tier of Portuguese football. He got their Young Player of the Year last year. Mm-hmm. Um, starts this weekend, but I say he was star player last year. He's, he's looking like he's finally getting a bit comfortable. I understand exactly why he moved away to um, Sporting Lisbon. It's a shame it didn't work out for him. But if he can rebuild his career, then good on him. Definitely one to keep an eye on for. Matthias, we're going to talk about a three Dutch players playing abroad who aren't Virgil van Dijk. No, they're not. Uh, I mean, good caliber players as well. In my opinion. So, (laughs) uh, my three players are all linked um, due to one man who's recently moved to FC Barcelona. Ronald Koeman. Yes. Um, Like, every other day we see news coming in of players that he wants to um, have for his Barcelona squad. And one of the most... Exciting ones and the most uh, like rumored ones is Memphis Depay. It's probably uh-huh. one that we've seen the most. Currently playing for Olympique Lyon in France. Uh-huh. He moved there from uh, Manchester United, of course, where he uh, played for a season or two, I believe. Um, wasn't very successful. Uh, it's kind of seen as a flop for Manchester United but he recorded 53 games for the Reds in which he scored 7 goals Um, comparing that to his stats for PSV where he played 124 games, scored 50 goals 
and Olympique Lyon where he played 141 games and scored 58 goals. He's currently recorded 53 caps for the national team and scoring 19 goals. Uh, and it seems a matter of time before he's unveiled as the new Barca player. Uh, the next I've one... I've heard that yeah. it's a 30 million deal. Yeah, it's which is, it's down to personal details now. Yeah, which is uh, a reasonable in today's world, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, I had to agree with that. Seems a seems a good deal for him and for Barcelona as well, I suppose. Uh, I think he'll do well. I mean, it's just a case in. I think Suarez just needs to get sold before he can come in, because the yeah, yeah. the Spanish FA have rewarded. Um, financial aid to companies so also football clubs and they kind of want to see money come in first before money gets spent so that's mm-hmm. kind of what's hindering him from signing his contract another player linked with a move to Barcelona is Stefan de Vrij currently oh. playing for Internationale in the Serie A mm-hmm. um, another another very interesting player who kind of like goes below the radar a bit for the Dutch national team because the two center backs that are always playing are Virgil van Dijk and Matthijs de Ligt. So we kind of have mm-hmm. a plethora of very good defenders because Stefan de Vrij in most other national teams would be one of their starting center backs. Uh-huh. Uh, he's currently recorded 157 games in the Serie A for Inter and Lazio and has 37 caps for the Dutch national team. Uh, before that, as a Feyenoord Youth Academy graduate, um, one of their, um, well, one of Feyenoord supporters' favorites. And another one, we're sticking to the same theme of players linked to a move to Barcelona. Um, maybe you have a guess? Uh, players linked to Barcelona. Uh, the last one I seen was Donny van der Meek. He's went to Man U. So yeah, oh, I mean, also a midfielder, uh, Georgino Wijnaldum. Of course. Uh, also course. linked with a move to Barcelona. Basically, it's buying the entire Dutch national team, just adding to the Dutch links to FC Barcelona. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of those. Yeah, Wijnaldum seen as one of the silent workhorses in the Liverpool team mm-hmm. um, and probably one of my favorite ever Dutch players just because of his character um, yes. I mean he just seems like the nicest guy in the world there's no there's no one that doesn't like him in the Netherlands everyone just loves him because of you know the way he is uh, Feyenoord Youth Academy graduate moved to PSV in quite a controversial transfer back then because moving between the big clubs in the Netherlands is kind of seen as not done. And when it happens, uh, you're persona non grata at the other team. Uh, but when Adam turned that around, he's kind of well-liked by the final supporters again. Uh-huh. From PSV, moved to Newcastle United, which was seen by many fans as kind of like a step down. Of course, it's mm-hmm. a team in a bigger league. Um, so he went there for a season, played well, got relegated. Got his move to Liverpool, and the rest is history. Scotland gave me the chance for my career, but without Scotland, I mean, God knows where I would have been. Yes, I cannot wait uh, to play for the for the club. 
So the next segment is uh, we're going to be looking at biggest transfers, or not even biggest, but most interesting transfers involving something Scottish or something Dutch, whether it's a nationality the club to come for. So, uh, Matthijs, would you like to get started? Yeah, I'll start off with the biggest one that we also just recently mentioned. Uh, Donny van der Beek from Ajax to Manchester United, yeah. which was a transfer that was uh, coming for a bit already. Um, he had played nine games in the national team already and 115 or 18 even games in the Eredivisie moving for a fee of 44 million euros to Manchester United uh, which is a thing that happens with a lot of these Ajax transfers these young players moving for uh, a very very big amount of money Um, I'm curious how he's going to slot into the Manchester United midfield with Pogba and Fernandes who are I mean, you wouldn't think they'd be moved to the bench, but uh, it would be an interesting transfer for him. Uh, see his development. Uh, well, let's hope for him and Dutch football that it'll turn out well for him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a good player from all accounts. I could see if they were to play it. Um, they could probably play Pogba as a kind of box-to-box midfielder mm-hmm. with Van de Beek beside him. As a kind of in a more attacking minded role, and then Bruno Fernandes ahead of the two of them in yeah. an attack. I'd probably be the best way, obviously, I'm not manager, but <laughs> probably be the best way to do it, I think. Do you agree? Yeah, I think so too. It's just going to be interesting for him to see how uh, he will slot into the squad. And I mean, yeah, for sure, he's going to, to learn so much and he'll grow as a player by yeah, playing probably- with. Uh, Pogba and Fernandes yeah um, another player that's more of a blast from the past Vernon Anita who? Eh? do you remember Vernon Anita? Vernon Anita? uh huh Anita did he play for Newcastle? he did I do remember him uh, Ajax Youth Academy graduate moved to Newcastle United then Leeds um, then he played for Newcastle for, I think it was about six years. So a long uh-huh. time. Uh, two seasons ago, moved to Willem II. Um, then went back to Leeds at the end of his contract to sort out his details. Was there for another few months and then left. Was uh, a free agent for a while and then moved to CSKA Sofia for a bit. And now he's back in the Netherlands. Uh, signing a contract with RKC Waalwijk. Or RKC, as some people might know them. Uh, the team that were dead last last season, on course to getting relegated, um, didn't get relegated, still in the Eredivisie right now, signed a very experienced midfielder in Vernon Anita. And they're also linked with Gregory van der Wiel, who is on trial with them. So it would be interesting to see these two guys uh, link up at RKC. Gregory, is he not a fieldwork? Yeah, yeah, right back, I think. Uh, played yeah. for PSG for quite a while. Um, well-known character. Uh, had a lot of potential. It didn't really come out the way everyone expected it to. And, I mean, he's he's trialing for RKC now, so it's also an interesting one. Um, the last one that I briefly wanted to mention is uh, Tahit Chong. 
the uh-huh. Manchester United talent from the Feyenoord Academy moved on loan to Werder Bremen and he's probably one of the most well-known Dutch talents um, in his age group not only because of his hair um, also because of his misses uh, against Astana in the Europa League um, uh-huh. he's garnered quite a reputation uh, and still there's a lot of potential and hopefully um, having a season on loan in the Bundesliga could really really strengthen and further his development yeah kicks him on a bit yeah yeah exactly As did he not score uh, I think he did um, but it was in the, in the DFB Pokal so uh, uh-huh. it's in the in the cup so the German league always starts with the cup first yeah the German season starts with the cup first and then usually um, the Bundesliga teams play a 4th 5th or even 6th division team away from home and yeah, uh, yeah I mean where the blame I'm not Just sure it's a good exactly. start to life eh? yeah so it's a uh, start to life getting a goal in the cup yeah, it's a, it's a good thing just getting a a goal on your senior debut for Werder Bremen. So it's a, it's a very good start for him and hopefully he'll develop well. Um, what are your most interesting transfers like regarding Scotland, Scottish players? The first one I'm going to brush over, I'm only going to mention it quickly. Um, and it's uh, Bolly Bolingoli has moved to Istanbul with Sikta. Volleyball in Gully is, of course, the man, myth, the legend, who broke the COVID rules, went to Spain for a day, mm-hmm. and got Celtic out of a few games. He yeah. literally flew. They had a some sort of training camp thing, and they had two days off or something. Told stay in Glasgow, Glasgow, and he got on a jet and flew to Spain, and then flew back the same day. <laughs> Absolutely mental, but Travel he's on load there. Um, I think Celtic would have happily sold him for pennies if they could have, but no one would take him on. Yeah. Um, apart from, of course, Besiktas, who are just got hundreds of fullbacks at this point. <laughs> uh, the first real transfer I want to talk about is Dykes. Have you mm. heard of Lyndon Dykes? Lyndon Dykes, yeah, I've heard that name. He has moved from Livingston which is the big reason that they are doing so bad, I feel. Mm-hmm. It's QPR in London. Yeah. Um, I think it's a fantastic sign. Yeah, he it's seems big. to be a very, very big talent. Uh, yeah. I've heard the name before, like regarding Scottish football as well. He's big, he's strong, he's powerful, he can head that. He's, and he can finish, he's a really, and he's a horse as well. He doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. Um and I think he's just going to smash it down in England. I think he's a perfect build. And, you know, the frame, his frame and his ability, I think he'll do, especially in the championship, I think he's made for that sort of thing. Um, he gives Christopher Julian nightmares, <laughs> the Celtic centre-back, because he threw him about um, last year, last year when he played Livingston, and uh, to the point where uh, big Christopher Julian for an apology on Instagram over the head of it <laughs> <laughs> so he's a good big bully of a striker he's currently he's literally just he's Australian he's born in Australia he's declared for Scotland actually just there um, so I remember watching him play for Queen of the South in the championship against Martin Morton uh-huh. 
and he was fantastic. He would have been much more highly regarded and spoken about if it wasn't for the fact that these kind of main season at Queen of the South, his striking partner was Stephen Dolby, who scored 43 goals and 45 appearances. Oh, uh, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, he was like one of the top goal scorers in Europe. Mental. But um, Dykes was kind of like the... Yeah, he would have had the all the accolades if it wasn't for that. Mm-hmm. But fantastic signing for QPR. Um, and it's great on him, and I really hope he does well. The next one I want to talk about is uh, Frank Ross, who has left Aberdeen. Uh, he did have one season on the little more, my dad. But uh, he's signed for Go Ahead Eagles. Oh, okay. Oh, I remember the the promotional video by uh, Go Ahead Eagles. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, for the people that don't know, a team in the Netherlands. Uh, yeah. Surprisingly with their name. It's, it's um Here, they're regarded as like a cult club with a, a very British stadium. And they really, uh-huh. they really tie into that fact. Um, yeah, they love that. I mean, he's not played for them yet, but uh, he, he's he's good. He's mm-hmm. kind of a typical kind of Scottish winger. He's fast. He's a bit tricky, but he'll fly in for tackles. He's quite he's like fearless is probably the best way to put it. <laughs> so I think he will do well down in the Netherlands. But um, it's always interesting to see how Scots adapt down there and Dutch adapt up here because it's totally different games. Yeah. But, uh, I just figured with this being the subject of our podcast, probably the best to mention the Scotsman has moved to the Netherlands. Um, the final one I want to talk about is uh, a boy named Tony Gallagher has moved to Toronto FC on loan from Liverpool. All right. How old is he? He's 21. He, uh, the reason I bring him up He's from my area. He went to my school. He was a year above me at school. But he played for Falkirk. And he was he's brilliant left back. He was kind of the youth prospect then. Because obviously we're all still at school at the time. He was kind of well known as one of the biggest youth prospects. He's went down to Liverpool. I remember being in an English class with him. And the news broke that Barcelona were interested in him. Wow. <laughs> and everyone going, are you actually going to Barcelona? And him, like not knowing what to do or say so I would tip him off as someone to keep an eye on because I do think he's got a bag loads of talent on him I just I think it's an interesting case of is moving to a big club always the best option mm-hmm. had he stayed at Falkirk or moved to say a Motherwell or something would he be playing first team football maybe in the Scotland squad well maybe not over Andrew Robertson but maybe in you know, contention for that spot, possibly. Moved to Liverpool though, and it just hasn't. He hasn't kicked on the way that he really had the potential to do. Damn. Um Obviously, I personally hope and wish him all the best, but it's just something to keep an eye on, and I'll mention him again in our podcast with an update on how he's doing. But yeah, Scotsman in Canada, Scotsman in the Netherlands, and a Scotsman in London. There you go.
So European football for Dutch and Scottish teams has also started again uh, with Champions League and Europa League qualifying games having been played. For the Dutch teams, AZ have played Champions League qualifying games. They felt that they were rightfully um, deserving the Champions League qualification ticket for the the group stages, which Ajax got because they beat Ajax in the league twice and Ajax and AZ were on the same amount of points. Uh, this didn't happen, so they were subjected to playing the qualifiers. In their first qualifier, they played uh, Czech team Victoria Pilsen. Um, they were behind 1-0 until the very, very, very last minute of extra time, last second even, when the referee awarded AZ a penalty, which they scored. Uh-huh. And they went to the next round uh, after scoring a few times in extra time where today, the 16th of September, they played Dynamo Kiev in Kiev, which is a very, very difficult game. Uh, good squad. Um, they lost 2-0. Uh, it was, from what I've read, quite deserved for Dynamo Kiev to win this game. So it's another Europa League qualifier for AZ. Yep. The other team from the Netherlands playing in Europe is Willem II, or Willem II, from my city, Tilburg. And today they played away against FC Progress Niederkorn, a name well known to Scottish football fans. Uh, <laughs> and they beat them away from home 5 0 and made it to the next round. And yes, Progress Niederkorn beat Rangers and Pedro Cassini, the manager, to argue with fans standing in a bush. Ah, I know the story. Uh, it's crazy. And then the next two teams coming into action for the Europa League will be Feyenoord and PSV. And Ajax will go into pot two in the Champions League group stage draw. Uh, on to Scotland. Uh, only three teams in Scotland played qualifiers thus far. Um, one are yet to, which is Rangers, who play... The next round of Europa League, uh, I believe they might be playing tomorrow, actually. Um, I'm just going to double-check that, but I'll talk about Celtic so far. So Celtic, um, they were in the Champions League qualifiers. Uh, as of next year, by the way, there's now two Champions League qualifier places for Scottish football, but ah, this okay. year, unfortunately not. And... Um, Celtic fans herself playing against Reykjavik where they hammered them absolutely hammered them 5-0 not an issue um, just to clarify Rangers are playing Lincoln Red Imps tomorrow who beat Celtic a few years ago in Gibraltar Gibraltar yeah Lincoln Red Imps that's the Rangers are playing tomorrow uh, uh, you know probably qualifier but Celtic played Reykjavik Pantland 5-0 they then played Firavenci, who I spoke about, who are the Hungarian team. Fierenc Faros. Um, yeah, and they lost 2-1. However, it's important to note that Firavenci have just beaten Dynamo Zagreb. Yeah, I mean, good team. Yeah, so they're clearly better than people were giving them. I like your pronunciation as well. <laughs> I'm totally off with it, I know that, but I just I figured the, the issue with doing a football podcasters you need to try it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you need to talk yeah you have to talk 
if this if I were writing an article on it, it would be much easier. <laughs> um, Aberdeen played one qualifier thus far. They won six. Either playing Viking next uh, Norwegian team. Apparently, very good. All right. Oh, we'll have to um, wait and see. We they're apparently very good in the front foot, very attacking. So we need to see what happens with that one. Uh, Motherwell, who are bottom of the Premiership, beat Glen Torren, Northern Irish side, 5 1. They now play Coleraine, another Northern Irish side, tomorrow. So, uh-huh. two away days. Well, no, actually, one away day because Glen Torren was at home, but two, two European fixtures, both against uh, Northern Irish sides. So, bit unlucky for them. But, so far, all four teams are still in contention to make it to Europe, which would be insane. So far for the Dutch teams as well, um, although Azad have dropped down a competition, unfortunately. Oh, well, it's the same with Celtic. Beaten by, I'm not even going to mention it. Sorry, I get slaughtered for my pronunciation. Ferencvaros. Not everyone can be multi-linked ties. Alright, alright. <laughs> Cut me some slack. this podcast we're going to talk some about the international football that happened uh, a few weeks ago already or like near like a week and a half let's say that uh the nations league started again and the netherlands played poland and italy in their group a group Ah, that sounds weird like the highest division group and then the a bracket you know what i mean uh, this group is also completed by Bosnia and Herzegovina. And the home game against Poland was a 1-0 victory. Relatively boring game. Steven Bergwijn scored the only goal. The second game uh, was against the Italians at home. And um, basic conclusion is we got dominated by a very strong Italy side. Who after their goal played the Italian game. Um, yeah, which at times can be very frustrating. It's uh, a very defensive, but they really, really dug deep, got their their stuff together, um, and got the victory, which was deserved. Uh, but in the group, everything's still open due to the fact that Italy drew against Bosnia and Herzegovina, so they're on four points right now. The Netherlands on three. Um, so everything is still to play for in this group. Uh, what about Scotland? For Scotland, uh, we have played Israel in the Czech Republic. Uh, disappointing results, to be honest. Well, we didn't lose either, but our performances were disappointing. Mm-hmm. We drew with Israel 1-1, and then we only beat Czech Republic 2-1, which might sound like being ungrateful. We have to remember Czech Republic were playing a B team, because... Their entire team. There was a COVID outbreak thing, and they couldn't play. 
So they yeah. basically called up a bunch of players who either weren't good enough for an initial call-up, had retired from international duty, or there was actual staff members in the team. Yeah, I read the story and it was um, yeah, it's only crazy. Been two one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, a bit disappointing. Uh, I think the team is full of quality compared to normal Scotland teams. We had the most <laughs> Premiership English Premiership players the, for the first time in like ten years or something. We had Andrew Robertson, Kieran Tierney. We we could you know there, there's loads. Of, we could be playing John McLaughlin in goal who is the Rangers goalkeeper at the minute, who has kept seven clean in a row. But instead, we play David Marshall, who isn't a bad keeper, but isn't playing because the English leagues haven't kicked off. What does he play? Who, Marshall? Yeah. Uh, he's number He's the number one Derby. Oh, all right. Um... Well, the English leagues had kicked off, but he hadn't played. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, they have kicked off now this weekend, but at that point they hadn't kicked through yet to kick off. He hadn't played any games. John McLaughlin had. Uh, there was a multitude of issues with playing Scott McTominay as one of our centre backs. Mm-hmm. Which is a bit mental to me, <laughs> midfielder. Um, we're just like if you look at what our strongest squad could be. We have a fantastic squad. Our strongest squad would be probably, for me, McLaughlin and go. Robertson at left-back, two centre-back could easily be um, Kieran Tierney and Liam Cooper. Tierney can play centre-back. Right-back Liam Palmer at Sheffield Wednesday. We have a midfield, lots of midfielders we can pick from. Personally, it would have to be um, probably Scott McTominay Carl McGregor and John McGinn, which is a pretty good midfield. And in our front three, we could have James Forrest, Lyndon Dykes, who we've spoken about already, and Brian Fraser. Brian Fraser wasn't selected, understandably, because he had no club at the time. But ah. I said selection issues with Scott. Where is he now? Anyway. Uh, yeah, he's in Newcastle. Playing for Newcastle. Ah, okay, okay. Alongside Callum Wilson. Oh, true. I see that, yeah. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed. We'll be releasing a similar podcast focusing on Scottish and Dutch football each Thursday at 2pm and another, uh, the general football podcast on a Monday at 2pm as well. But until then, it's goodbye. And doei. <laughs>